0: Hi Vicky Hi Shane. Today we are talking about rain, kind of so uh, okay. yeah, I know I'm already starting off strong, but I was wondering <laughs> what what do you so what do you think of when you think of rain like whether um as a constant or a specific experience or what like
1: oh sure what are
0: your feelings?
1: <laughs> what are my feelings about, about rain? rain? I don't like it okay um but I don't know, I feel like. It's very hard for me to be in the rain and not just get sopping wet, no matter what amount of rain somehow. Like I don't like umbrellas.
0: <laughs> oh. So
1: I'm just always like walking through the rain and okay. soaking wet. And
0: So you have like, yeah. a, it's a classic case. You have a raincoat on, but then the bottom of you is probably completely wet because we don't actually, for some reason, I feel like as a society, we don't cover the bottoms of us, but we'll put raincoats on. You know what I mean? There's like no Yeah, rain isn't hands. that funny? It is kind of That's weird, That's very right? funny. Mm.
1: Yeah, but I also don't necessarily always... I only like recently got a raincoat. <laughs> I would just so be... So it's your
0: own fault that you don't... It's like my own rain. fault.
1: Yeah, but I think... <laughs> <laughs> so when I was younger, my dad and I would go to car shows all the time and like swap meets. Okay. And my dad would like sell motorcycle parts at swap meets. So we would spend the weekend just like out in the air like in a parking lot right doing this so i feel like if it rained you were just wet right so you'd just be like wet to the bone and i think somehow it's
0: just it just that's stuck it's with my you forever
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, I can't. I mean, I probably, I, I would say I'm probably more prepared for rainy environments oh, than you are. Um <laughs> I also, I, I lived in Pittsburgh for quite some time, which like outside of Seattle is one of the rainiest cities in really? America. Yeah, it's because like all the rivers come together and everything. Oh
1: my gosh.
0: Uh, but I think of rain, I actually have a pretty... As an experience, uh, or from experience perspective, a pretty positive association with it. Oh. Uh, early in my relationship with my wife, we took a trip to Iceland. And overall, the, the weather was really nice. But there were a few days where it was just sopping wet and awful. And yeah. we were on this kind of quest to see a puffin. Because uh, we were in a season where you would maybe see them, but maybe not. And there's one specific day where she drugged me out. Along these beautiful cliffs in this lovely setting, because there was a a chance that there was a colony, but it was just awful out. So, and we got we were we had raincoats and pants and all that jazz, and we got completely soaked and we didn't even see a freaking puffin. But oh no, but like I don't we ended up seeing like one or two during that trip. But I, I look back on this trip and like I have these really fond memories of it, even though. There were a couple moments where I was just like, ooh, why are we doing this? This is not great. Did I make the wrong choice?
1: Yeah, so I feel like...
0: With her or the trip?
1: Yeah, so I've I've been married for, like, I feel like longer than I haven't been married in my life at this point. We've been married for a really long time, 15, 16 years, something like that. Um, And I just... Imagine, like that would be the most terrible. Time. <laughs> we would fight so much. But I imagine if this was, you had a nice time. Well, this was then.
0: early, and we recently got married, so it wasn't. Yes, yeah, so you were I flying guess.
1: high. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Science is fascinating, but don't just take my word for it. Join us as we hear stories from scientists for everyone. I'm Shane Hanlon.
1: And I'm Vicky Thompson.
0: And this is third pod from the Sun. All right. So, Vicky, what's uh-huh. so when I say the word hydrology, what, what comes to mind for you?
1: Well, alluvial flow, actually. Now that you, <laughs> now that now I have an actual reason to say that. We
0: were talking about this before we go to the pod, yeah. yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah but really like hydrology comes right to mind rivers flowing water, moving water
0: yeah yeah right? no that's uh, that's uh, that's for me too i mean i you yeah. you were not a scientist by training, I'm a biologist by training, so i am just as out there as as many think, other folks but but so that's that that's why face. we're talking about rain today, and I think Many folks might not uh, appreciate a rainy day, yourself, myself included. Uh, But studying rain and systems involving water more broadly is really important. It's a really important area of science. And so today we're talking with a NASA hydrologist who's using remote systems to study some of the Earth's most important processes. Our interviewer was Ashley Hamer.
2: My name is Dr. Matthew Rodell, and I'm the Deputy Director of Earth Sciences for Hydrosphere, Biosphere, and Geophysics at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center. I oversee an organization of about 400 scientists, engineers, and other support personnel working on basically improving remote sensing of of the Earth system, and particularly in the areas of of the hydrological hydro cycle, the cryosphere, biospheric cycle, and and other related processes. Um, so we we help develop new remote sensing systems, help to put them up into space, and then make use of the data that comes down from them.
3: Nice. And so, remote sensing specifically what what does that what does that do for us? What what's the goal there?
2: Well, there's so many different processes happening on Earth, and And you can't measure all of them all the time using ground-based instrumentation. So, if you just take the example of of rainfall, it's a hugely important thing to measure. It it results in, you know, the water that's available to us as humans and also the water that's available to, to natural systems as well on the land surface. You can't put a rain gauge everywhere on Earth. And even in the U.S., where we have a relatively dense network, there still could be you know, miles or tens of miles between precipitation measurements. And so the only way to really make a measurement everywhere is from space. So we have some satellites in space that are looking down and measuring waves and other observables that are then used to infer the amount of precipitation happening at the surface. And, and this allows us to basically map global precipitation every few hours everywhere on Earth. And, and that's just one example. There are a lot of other examples of things we do with remote sensing in not just hydrology, but but biospheric sciences, oceanography, atmospheric.
3: I mean, that's a lot of different areas. Well, speaking of science, uh, what what drew you to science in the first place?
2: Well, when I was a kid, you know, before cell phones and all that, I mean, I was outside all the time. I mean, I was always you know, outside the house, just, I don't even know what I was doing, just run around the woods and doing little experiments. And, you know, I would catch caterpillars and raise them into butterflies or, you know, try to catch frogs or, you know, who knows what I was doing. But I was always outside. And, and so I was always sort of a, a naturalist without even knowing what that was. You know, I've always been concerned about preserving natural resources. And I remember doing a, a report on in, in ninth grade science class, on, on deforestation of the Amazon, and um, the report on the um, Amazon rainforest, I think was sort of a, a, a big turning point for me, where I really started to focus in a particular part of science, which was you know the environment. When I was in college, I took a class, an environmental geology class, with Professor Pat Burkhart, and and he had a an outdoor you know laboratory that was associated with the class. Um, you know, we do experiences outside, and and it was just super enlightening. And and he had an amazing, you know, respect for the earth that he that he conveyed to us. And I, and I learned a lot about you know what happens when you when you recycle things. You know, where does it really go, and and what are the issues at a at a landfill? What are the issues at a paper plant? At a um, nuclear facility? And you know, it just just a lot of things that were really eye opening. I feel like he was a a mentor and later he actually was my first hydrology professor, which is the area that I'm specializing in.
3: Yeah, it's wonderful to have good mentors.
2: I feel lucky that, you know, I was, you know, I had enough inspiration and, and I sort of followed the opportunities that were there and that led me where I am.
3: Well, that's good. yeah. So you mentioned a little bit about your education and career path. Let's go back and just talk about how you ended up where you are. Like what, what path did you take?
2: Like I said, I didn't start out thinking, okay, I'm going to be a hydrologist at NASA. I, you know, That didn't come until much, much later. Um, and I think along the way, I just sort of went where the opportunities were and, and to things that interested me. So when I was in college, I was, you know, I was gonna be a math major in pre-med and and that didn't really work out. I didn't like the math department. I didn't didn't wasn't very good at chemistry. So I just sort of changed directions and I tried, you know, several different things and eventually ended up being an environmental science major. When I f- came towards the end of college, Professor Burkhart was moving out of his house and several of his students, including myself, were there helping him move. And I was one of the last ones there and he asked asked me what I was gonna do after college uh, and I said I'm applying for a job, so I'm not really sure. And he he gave me a card and said, Why don't you try this environmental company where I used to work in New Jersey? And and I did, and that ended up being my first job. So I worked for a year in New Jersey for EMS Environmental. And towards the end of that year, my future wife and I had been applying to to graduate schools. And a couple that we got into were University of Colorado and University of Texas. And we visited them both and both liked Texas and they they had a lot of money there for, for supporting graduate students. So that seemed like a good deal. You know, we had to make a decision, were we going to defer for a year or were we going to go straight out there? And, you know, it was a really tough decision. And I'd actually been offered a promotion in my job. And and we just decided to go for graduate school and go out there, which ended up being the right decision because that's when I met Jay Family Eddie, And he set me on the course, you know, for, for doing Grace Hydrology, which was, you know, has been the the foundation of my entire career, so really lucky I made made the decision when I did. But um, you know, again, sort of just following opportunities that were there. I mean, I didn't when I went to University of Texas, I didn't know I was going to be working with J Family Eddie. I actually thought I was going to be doing something more like my my job with the you know, groundwater contamination and that sort of hydrogeology. And he steered me towards remote sensing based hydrology, which I had never. Even heard of before I got there, but it seemed interesting, and you know he gave me an opportunity, and I and I took it. And so you know again, it was sort of the the path that was given to me, and not me sort of trying to sh- steer the ship too hard. And then when I got my first job, it was someone that I knew that I would met at AGU fall meeting actually, and and so that was you know that was just sort of following the opportunity as well.
3: Yeah, that's great. I mean, I could imagine that that decision between going with the job that you had just been promoted in and going to graduate school is probably a pretty big decision i mean what what led to you making that decision
2: my future wife and i have been talking about what are we going to do and we decided that we were going to we were going to stay where we were defer the graduate school admission and i would work for another year you know take this promotion i i got a message on my answering machine you know, the last day when we were supposed to make the decision and uh and she said no no i think it's a you know i think we need to go to graduate school I, you have to do it and so i you know i didn't have it i couldn't get in touch with her so i was like okay well i guess that's it we're going to graduate school and so i i sent the letter and said we were we were accepting and i told my boss that that i was gonna be leaving and 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 then Je- later on jenna said you know no i don't know i'm not sure maybe maybe that was the wrong idea <laughs> and it was too late and so yeah i don't know if we had had cell phones back then i don't know what we would have done. It might have actually, my life it could have been totally different. Wow.
3: <laughs> How much things change. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it yeah. sounds like, you know, fate intervened somehow and you got to to work with a really great mentor and, you know, you're here now. So that's that's wonderful. What personal achievement are you most proud of?
2: The personal achievement I'm most proud of is raising a family of with four kids. On the professional side, I think one of the things I'm most proud of is is. I was one of the first Grace hydrologists. And when when Jay Family and I first became involved with Grace, most hydrologists had never heard of it. And, you know, any ones that had heard of it were pretty skeptical that it would ever be useful. And so it was a bit of a risk focusing my my dissertation on that topic.
3: That's great. Tell me a little bit more about this. GRACE, you said?
2: Yeah, so GRACE is the Gravity Recovery and Climate Experiment, and it's a satellite mission. NASA has, you know, about 20 missions in orbit right now. Most of them are looking down and making measurements, various wavelengths of the EM spectrum, and turning those into useful observations for hydrology or for for other areas of Earth science. Um, GRACE is completely different because it's actually two satellites that are orbiting the earth together and instead of looking down the, the key measurement is is the distance between the two satellites and the reason that's important is because as as satellites orbit the earth the earth's gravity field is not completely homogeneous so if you think of where there's a mountain range and there's more mass there and that means there's more gravitational potential the satellites are floating around you know in basically in a vacuum their their orbits are are affected a little bit by by the shape of Earth's gravity field. And so GRACE, using the measurements of the distance between the two satellites, along with their precise positioning, basically are able to, to measure the perturbations of their orbit caused by variations in the gravity field. And so each month each month of observations can be, can be used to create a new map of Earth's gravity field. And from month to month, the, the maps are so precise that we can see changes in the gravity field from month to month. The main cause of those changes are redistributions of mass at the surface, so those would be things like ocean circulation and, and tides, atmospheric circulation, and then over land it's the terrestrial water storage, so things like groundwater, soil moisture, surface water, and snow and ice, and as those are redistributed around, um, you know, it's a it's large quantities of mass. You think of like if you had a snowstorm and there was a couple inches of snow in the ground, when you add up a couple inches of snow over, you know, 100,000 square kilometers, it's It's a huge amount of mass it's enough to perturb the orbits of satellites and so we can back out based on the grace data you know the basically the amount of of snow that must have fallen in order to to cause that change in the gravity field so so as i said it's it's unique it's completely different from the other types of observations and this is this is why it was a little bit risky, you know, when it first launched. I mean, a lot of people thought, you know, this will never work. I mean, there's no way that can be pre- that precise. And and you know, it's a different type of observation we're not used to. And 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 we had to make it work and find ways to make it make it useful just to, you know, open up all sorts of new doors in, in hydrology. And it's been amazing. So I was really lucky to get, get involved with it very early on.
3: Yeah. Wow. That's really, it's impressive to find it's a new measurement based on something that was just already happening just like satellites were being tweaked by the gravity field and you just have to measure that and then you get this whole other measurement that's so cool
2: yeah and all the credits of the geodesists who came up with this they're the ones who are really you know were concerned with the gravity field and and magnetic field and the shape of the earth and that sort of thing and they said, "Hey, this might be useful for hydrology," way before the hydrologist thought of it.
3: Wow, that's that's amazing, Ugh, science. And then, just as one final question, what advice would you have for someone who was looking to follow in your footsteps?
2: I think a lot of people don't realize that be to be very successful as a scientist, you know, not just someone who's toiling away in a in a in a room or being given direction. Um, you need to be a very good communicator and, and team player, and so you know, by communication, I mean, you know, it's not just about the scientific knowledge you have or your technical skills, but you need to be able to express ideas clearly, succinctly, and and be persuasive. And that's, you know, important for things like, you know, writing a proposal, you need to be persuasive in your writing that this is going to be something important, and you're going to come up with valuable results. Um, Or if you if you come up with a a result from your from your research. Um you need to be able to write that clearly and succinctly so people understand what you're doing and somewhat persuasively if you have a conclusion that might be that might differ from from the current mainstream or something like that. So so I think you know if you're if you were in you know high school or college and and you're interested in becoming a scientist and you thought, well I'm just gonna really focus on, on science and math classes, I would say, well, I think you really need to to pay attention to your to your English classes and make sure that you, you know what or write and communicate you know uh, take public speaking classes if you have have that sort of opportunity read books because you know as you, as you read you know that helps you to be a better writer as well and pay attention to to people who you think are, are good communicators and, and what are they doing right
0: Vicky, I I think he might be talking about us.
1: Uh, in that we should be paying closer attention to people that we think are good communicators? No, because or... we're good,
0: communicat- or are oh, we good communicators. Oh, yeah, we're good
1: communicators. No, I think we are. I think we are.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I hope so because outside of this, literally <laughs> my job is to teach folks how to communicate more effectively. Yeah. So uh, hopefully hopefully that comes through, um, if not on the pod and my other aspects <laughs>
1: <laughs> of my professional. No, life. you're you're a good communicator. Oh, well, thank
0: you. You're and welcome. thank you again to Matthew for sharing his work with us. And with that, that's all from Third Pod from the Sun.
1: Special thanks to Ashley Hamer for conducting the interview and to NASA for sponsoring this series.
0: This episode was produced by Jason Rodriguez and me with audio engineering from Colin Warren and artwork by Karen Romano Young.
1: We'd love to hear your thoughts, so please rate and review us, and you can find new episodes in your favorite podcasting app or at thirdpodfromthesun.com.
0: Thanks all, and we'll see you next week.
1: We'd love to hear your thoughts, so please write and rate. Hmm. I I read right.
0: It it does say right, in all fairness. Oh, boy. That's on me. I don't know why it says right. I,
1: it probably always says that, exactly and I just pro- don't read it. I've
0: been literally copying this over for weeks yeah. now. So it's always said, please write and review us. Oh, my
1: gosh. Okay. Yeah. First time I'm actually paying attention. Okay. <laughs> We'd love to hear your thoughts, so please rate and review. This is We'd good. love to hear your thoughts. Oh, wait. What?
0: No, no. Go ahead. I'm, I'm just messing Bert. it up now.